Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Presented by betonline.ag here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. The NFL season is in full swing and you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. Six and three week on the New York Football Podcast. Another winning week. We continue to pump out winners here and it's all courtesy of betonline.ag. They have everything. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. There is always the online casino as well, it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the New York Football Podcast. I am your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez, and you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and, of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. Like, download, rate, and subscribe. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod, as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez with a double underscore. We have an election day trade deadline edition of the Believe in New York football podcast. It's going to be another awesome show for you guys today. Benny Ricciardi is here again like he never left. Benny joins the show as always to help me and you guys break down the week nine gambling lines and help us extract value and see where that early value is in terms of the spread and the money line as we continue to pump out winners the overall record of this show since week one is now 40, 19, and 1. Way above average. Love to see that. 6-3 uh, and three this week. Another winning week. So stick around for Benny. Stick around for ad- our advice. It has clearly paid off week in and week out. I'm also going to recap the Giants and Jet losses. But first, we're going to start in college as we always do. And we're going to start by talking about the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Rutgers was coming off their first Big Ten win since 2017 and did so in commanding fashion but had their work cut out for them as they hosted number 17 Indiana for their home opener. Rutgers started out strong as they looked like they did against Michigan State taking a commanding 7-0 lead. It's hard to say that's commanding but with the way the defense had played against Michigan State it felt like that would be the edge they needed to really get the momentum but the wheels fell off on the offense after that and the defense kind of disappeared. Quarterback Nick Vedrill had a tough go about it. The following six possessions after that first 7-0 lead, which was about three or four possessions into the game, into the first quarter, was followed by three three-and-outs and then three interceptions, and those three interceptions were within five plays of a drive. So by the time that all settled, Rutgers were down 23-7, to and it was deep into the third quarter. So they really couldn't get anything going, and the offense didn't help them out at all. But it didn't help that the defense had a really quiet day. Only one sack, couldn't generate a turnover, and as a result, surrendered 37 points en route to a 37-21 loss. And now for Rutgers, I hope it was fun while it lasted. That first win 
seems like years ago at this point because a game that they dread every year on the schedule, I think anyone does in the Big Ten, is Ohio State. And now, unfortunately, Rutgers is going to hit the road and travel to Ohio State and take on the number three Buckeyes, which will not be pleasant to watch if this defense does not generate any pressure or cannot create any turnovers against, let's face it, a quarterback in Justin Fields who just does not turn the ball over. So, scary looking ahead for Rutgers, at least in the short term. But I will say this. This looks like a completely different and competitive Rutgers team. And I'm not saying they're going to go in and lose by 50 to Ohio State. Although, in terms of talent, they probably should. But it's more based on the fact that Ohio State's offense is just humming. And they're always humming. If anything, they kind of looked a little sluggish against Penn State. And they're not even near what they could be. And with that said, if, if Rutgers doesn't get anything going on, on the defensive side of the ball... It's going to be a long day. It's going to be a really long day. But that hook and ladder play, and I got to address this, the hook and ladder play at the end of the game showed me that this Rutgers team does not know how to say die. This is a team that's going to fight to the end, and it's not the same type of mentality this team has had in years past, over the last decade, since Shiano's been there. They would have folded up and just gladly lost by whatever result it was, but they lost by two possessions, and it should have been a one-score game. They would have had a shot at getting the ball back on an outside kick if it wasn't overturned. So did it count? No, but I think that play said a lot in terms of what this team has in regards to effort and their mentality and how they are playing this season and what their program is becoming compared to what it's been in years past. So they didn't get the win. It's not looking bright in terms of the short term because they have to play Ohio State. But in regards to where the program's at, it's definitely encouraging to see what's going on with Rutgers right now, and how Shiano's touch has been affecting this team for the better. But now let's head over to West Point and check in on the Army Black Knights, who will begin their quest for the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy this Saturday as they host Air Force at Mikey Stadium. Now, Army had a bye week this week, so they remain at 6-1. and one. Meanwhile, Air Force is at 1-2 and two after dropping a second straight game, losing to Boise State in a shootout 49-30. to 30. The Black Knights are going to head into this weekend as five and a half point favorites at home. A really good number under that six line. I think this is going to be a touchdown game as much as these teams like to keep things close and kick field goals. I like how this matchup plays an advantage to Army. Army's defense will really rise to the occasion here. And I think with the variation of fullbacks that Army likes to use, they'll be able to chip away and pound at this Air Force defense that has looked vulnerable over the last couple of weeks. So Air Force will be no easy task. Obviously, a lot of pride on the line when these two meet, but Army, in just terms of how these teams match up, are just the overall better team, and I think should really result in at least a six-point win for Army here and cover that five-and-a-half-point spread. So go Army, beat Air Force, the home favorites. I really like Army to improve to 7-1 and one here and continue their rolling all the way until they host Navy and ultimately hoist that Commander-in-Chief's trophy yet again here after a disappointing season last year but with that said let's move over to the craziness of professional sports and let's touch quickly on some of the moves here during this tuesday nfl trade deadline which was set to close at 4 p.m not much was going on throughout tuesday the jets and the giants both made moves the week prior to the trade deadline but were expected to be sellers at the deadline so how exactly did that all shape out well Nothing happened at all, actually. This is probably one of the more boring trade deadlines that we've had in the NFL probably in recent memory. Nothing really happened. Not even the small trades of the Will Fullers of the world that seem locked to go. 
No one on the Giants other than Marcus Golden will end up leaving. And there is some Jets news that happened, but nothing more drastic than already trading Le'Veon Bell, obviously. But no no moves on the Giants end. So with that said, let's get to the results of the game. And surprise, 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 both the Giants and Jets lost again. And let's start with Big Blue because I want to get this portion out of the way as soon as possible. The Giants led by 11 points in the second half for yet another game. And this is the third consecutive loss this has happened. They did beat Washington, so it wasn't the third consecutive game. Uh, they beat Washington two weeks ago. But third, third consecutive loss dating back to Dallas that we've lost after having a 11-point lead. In those three losses, the Giants have now lost by three points, one point, two points. The two-point loss coming last night on Monday night. We are taping this on Tuesday, so it would be two days ago for you guys that are listening to this as it drops on Wednesday. But the Giants had a two-point loss that came up short on a two-point conversion as they lost 25-23 to to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's a game they should have won. It's a game they should have won and they had in their grasp. And I've said this the last couple weeks, but the good teams win those games. Bad teams lose those games. And we're a bad team right now. There's a lot of progress. There's a lot of hope and upside in this team. But right now, it, it is not feeling good to be a Giant fan. In all those games, from the Bears to the Rams, and that's not even the Dallas or, or the, the Eagles or the Bucks game I'm talking about now. I'm talking about games that we lost by 8 points, 6 points. We have the game in our grasp, the ball in our hands, with a chance to either tie or win in the fourth, and we, we don't get it done. And Jason Garrett, yay, he finally called a good game. Fantastic, but guess what? This time... This was Danny's worst game ever. This time, Danny costed us the game. He was off on long throws. Two for six for passes over 20 yards. And three of those, okay, outright, wasn't even close. Or two of those. And then the other two were lost in the light. Shep right out of his reach of his hands. It could have gone either way. And Slayton on a big post, he just never found it for the for, from the start. And honestly, Danny killed us with rookie mistakes. It wasn't like Danny was making these Danny-like fumbles or whatnot. The picks that he had were killer. They were mistakes that just an inexperienced quarterback would make, and it's it's killer. We had a 45-yard kick return, up eight at half. Coming back from half, 45-yard kick return. We crossed the field, we crossed midfield, and he threw a terrible pick two plays in, which resulted in a Bucks field goal. And then the next drive... We have a three and out. Not great. And that's not all on Danny, but not great. And then, of course, Tampa Bay scores in the next drive, and now we lose the lead, and we get the ball back. And yet, with all that done, we ran five plays, resulting in a three and out and a pick, and the Bucks wasted almost the entire third quarter running 15 plays for over 100 yards and getting the lead back. And then finally, we force a three and out on the Bucks. And so what happens is, Danny repays us with another pick. Granted, we have the lead at this point in time, but it was important in the fourth quarter there, we forced the Bucks on their next drive to have a three and out, and Danny repays us with another pick inside the 40-yard line. He's got to take a sack on second down. Not throwing the ball away, not falling, and taking that sack is killer because those three points were everything in that game. That's why those are rookie mistakes. His head was not there. If we take that sack, third down, we get yards back. We kick a field goal, could have won or lost us the game. We wouldn't have needed a two-point conversion. 
And he was just making terrible decisions. And I've talked about this. One way or another, Danny's going to get thrown in the mud either way. And unfortunately, though, this time, he's going to be dragged in the mud big time because I do think he costed us a winnable game. Now, I'm one of the biggest Danny believers there are. But now, you can start to feel the seat get a little warm. And I only say that because he's about to play Washington, who he's 3-0 against. And I think this fan base and his team are expecting that to be a win. And they're entering as underdogs. And nothing with the Giants should ever be considered a guaranteed win. But Danny especially needs to figure it out come Sunday. Because the critics are chirping. And yes, it has not all been on Danny. But the Tampa Bay game was a bit on Danny. And he needs to wake it up a little bit and get things into gear. And I think he would be the first to tell you that. If you listen to his press conference, it's exactly what he said. He takes this shit very seriously. And I think he's going to try to bounce back big time against a Washington team that they're very comfortable playing against. But one more thing to note here on the Giants game before we move over to the Jets. There is a bright side. I think the offensive line looked as good as ever. At least for Giants standards. Shane Lemieux. His PFF grade was probably dog shit. I think I saw it briefly. It was like in the 30s. But you wouldn't have known that, especially not for a guy who was in his first start and with the attitude he played with. He gave up five quarterback pressures, which was the most on the team, next to Andrew Thomas, who had four. But I will say this, that left side of the line, despite them surrendering nine pressures, was significantly better. And I'm really looking forward to this being signs for things to come because I would love... If they can get Hernandez, move him to right guard. And now I know we were supposed to trade Zeitler and nothing happened with that. So Z is going to be there for the foreseeable future, at least this season. But Hernandez is a problem at left guard. And I don't think it's a surprise that we were able to do a lot more with that left side that we had. And this could be our line in the future. And with that said, for the love of God, please play Matt Pert at right tackle. He's going to be a left tackle at some point. Just start him at right tackle already. He only had 24 snaps on Monday night, but he didn't allow a single pressure. He's our highest graded lineman, and we don't play him for Cam Fleming, who gave up another four quarterback pressures and is just a sack of shit. It's frustrating that the Giants continue to trot out Cam Fleming when Matt Pert doesn't need to be eased into it anymore. It's week nine. Get him in. Get him involved. He's our best tackle. He's our best lineman. He should be on the left side, but if you're not going to play him on the left side, play him on the right side. Because it's time. Let's see what the future is with this offensive line before we pick inside the top 10 again and have to realize, do we want to go offensive tackle again because we have to hedge on our Andrew Thomas draft pick or are we going somewhere else? I know everyone wants to go quarterback, but realistically, this team has other holes on this offense. We need receivers. We need offensive linemen still. And we may not need those offensive linemen if we could see production out of the amount of linemen that we took in the draft this year, including Lemieux, Pert, and Thomas. Put them all on the field together, and let's see what we can do. Hernandez will be gone another week, so Lemieux is looking to get another start. I would like to see Matt Pert get more than 24 snaps this upcoming game. But lastly, we move on to the winless Jets here. Unfortunately, not much to talk about yet again. The Jets lost to the Chiefs 34-9 and failed to score more than 10 points for the fourth consecutive game. Again, it was a tale of two halves for the New York Jets. They held the lead against the Bills. Last week, they actually scored all nine of their points on the first three drives of the first half this game against the Chiefs. They were doing all right. And then the second half hits. The Jets had six three and outs and a four and out fumble in seven second half possessions. Seven second half possessions, six three and outs, and a four and out fumble. That is no bueno. Not good. Can't happen. 
And, and things won't necessarily get any easier for the Jets here. That's nothing. That's no crazy analytical breakdown or statistical analysis. That's just facts. The Jets had four total yards of offense last game in the second half. I don't even need the yardage. Just know they didn't gain a first down. Or they gained one and fumbled immediately. So it's not much better. But the Jets have to now host the New England Patriots on Monday night. And this is a Patriots team that has looked really bad lately. Aside from the Bills game. They just played the Bills really hard. And Cam fumbled in the red zone in a game that they could have won. And they're going to look to impose their will and bounce back against this dreadful Jets team. Jets fans, uh, it's... When the going gets tough, the tough gets going. But I don't know if the Jets will ever get going. One thing that will get going is the trades that the Jets pull off. Uh, they hadn't done anything in regards to the trade deadline as we've na- as we've now crossed 4 p.m. as I am taping this. But following the blowout loss, the Jets traded Avery Williamson, who infamously posted a picture of him in Times Square in a full uniform. Great picture. Uh, but they traded Avery, Avery Williamson in a second, a 22 seventh round pick. Part of that. So Avery Williamson in the 22 seventh to the Steelers for a 22 fifth round pick. Really not much. It's just a fire sale that continued for the Jets as as the dumpster fire of the season continues as well for them. So the Jets pouring out everything that they have and probably not going to win a game this season. I say it every week. I, I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening. They can't, they can't even score touchdowns right now. So good luck, Jets fans, on Monday night. As a Giant fan, we just... Struggled through it and got through a rough Monday night. For your sake, I hope it's a blowout and not even a close game where your heart just gets ripped out of your body. With that said, let's move on. And let's get you guys some money in your pockets as I welcome on Benny Ricciardi. For those of you new to the show, Benny has been on pretty much every week for the last couple of months since the start of the season. And has tried to help us extract value from the early lines of each week of the NFL season, this week being week nine, he'll help us do the same in terms of the spread and the money line and even over-unders on where the total should be and where he kind of views things. Benny's like the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, since he's been on this show, we've pumped out even more winners than we normally would without him. So it's obviously having an effect on us. We are just a winning show in general, but when Benny is on, it's just double as good, double the winners, double everything. And as always, listen to what he has to say. Listen to what I have to say. Or fade us, but then you'd be a dummy. Don't fade us. Play what we got going on here. We have winning records every week. We know what we're talking about, especially Benny. Check him out. Without a further ado, here he is, Benny Ricciardi. Right now, I have the great pleasure of welcoming on for the 1,000th time, Benny Ricciardi. I told the people at home that this may be a permanent residency for you like a DJ in Las Vegas. I know you're not much of a DJ, but you definitely like the Vegas part of it. Anything to do with residencies in Vegas, you'd sign up for. <laughs> in a heartbeat, dude, to be honest with you, without even, without even question. So here, let me, um, you know what, uh, let, let, let's, let's, drop some, uh, let's drop an exclusive here on your show here. When, uh, when do you post this? This will be posted tomorrow. So, All right, so, tomorrow, so tomorrow is actually when they're going to announce. I actually accepted a new job recently, so I'll announce it here on your show, and people will be able to find it here as well as uh, when the announcement comes out on Twitter. But um, I'm going to be working for a company called uh, Fade the Noise FTN. Uh, they own a betting site, a daily fantasy site, and a season-long fantasy site. 
as well as a couple uh you know some media stuff that's in the work too so should be fun i'll be doing podcasts over there and running a lot of the betting stuff and a lot of the affiliate stuff for them and uh yeah basically just uh getting back to work after kind of hanging out and doing nothing for them. that's exciting that's nice. extremely exciting yeah i'm looking forward to it it's gonna be a good time yeah so the exclusive that's ex- so be on the lookout for that we told you last show turn benny's notifications on so you don't miss the plays that he has early on like i did so turn them on and now you get even more notifications on fade the noise and anything to do with benny looking forward so man congrats on that that's awesome yeah pretty happy i gotta be honest though this is not really a fun week for for the, there wasn't a lot here that i saw we'll talk about it in a minute obviously but well it a, wasn't uh, a fun week in general so we pulled out the winning record on the week but it wasn't pretty uh the teaser saw its first loss uh last week mm. killers any number that we felt good about playing a teaser on last week because of the way the board played out it was a lot of field goal games they were pretty much right on for the most part three and a half to two and a half so it all kind of added up um mm. over a long haul but both the six-point favorites in the Packers and the Titans, a game you'd like to tease down to a pick them lost outright. Mm-hmm. So a lot of craziness there, but we did pretty well aside from the fact uh, – because they weren't the main games we talked about, but it was surprising that you also mentioned – I didn't want to remind the people about this, but I got to – the Rams. We had said oh, we didn't God. know what to think about the Dolphins. And you know something? I started to like the Dolphins come game time because the West Coast, East Coast thing, you know, they're going down to sunny mm-hmm. – Miami golf, I, but wow, I mean, they got slacked. I mean, but here's the thing, right? And this is why this is why gambling is gambling, and it's not a lock sometimes. You know, the Rams had that big turnover early in that game, and then they had another turnover like right after it. I think they had three or four in the first half of that game. You can't win a game when you have four turnovers in a half. Like I don't care how good you are or how bad the team you're playing is. Um, luckily it actually worked out a little bit for me because I had some of the Miami Dolphin defense and DFS and they went absolutely not. I think they had like 25 you fans. You forgot the kick return. Well, you turned yeah. the ball over that much and you surrender a kick return. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you so, cause win. what happened was the Rams finally answered and then the Dolphins scored just like that. Mm-hmm. And then, so what does that do? It takes the sales right out of you again. I mean, they were out of it pretty much coast to coast in that game. Hey, listen, you don't win them all, man. That's why it's called gambling. And that's why we don't go all in on every bet we make. You know, you got to be smart about your, uh, your bankroll. Well, I, I agree. Absolutely. Luckily for us and the viewers at home, we just talked about the losses. There were six winners along the way. So you're welcome. Be <laughs> humbled. Uh, Benny, we're going to get going here, but this is an election edition here. And I think it'd be important for the people to know that we are looking forward to doing this uh, as quickly as possible so we could see everyone riot. But the riots might ensue while we're on the podcast itself. You're going to let me know with the TV behind me if anything crazy happens. But are you excited about it? It's a, it's a crazy day right now. Yeah, I'm absolutely looking forward to the riots. I don't even care who wins. There's going to be riots one way or another. So, we'll, uh, I don't know. We'll see, man. We'll see what happens. It should be fun. I actually said to you, this is why we're recording a little earlier tonight. I was like, dude, I got to see what happens. This is like must-watch television today. Some people just like to watch the world burn. Well, with that said, we won't get too political on this show. This is a sports show, and we'll, we'll separate it. We'll draw a fine line. But luckily for you guys, not only is this a sports show, it's a gambling show. So you come here, we're going to give you some advice, and you're going to make some money. Six and three last week, we're going to look to continue to roll and roll and roll with our winning weeks here. And we start on Thursday night. I'm going to be honest with you. The Packers owe me a lot of money. 
Not that much, but they owe me a lot of money, and they're going to be able to pay me back as quickly as Thursday because they go in to Thursday night as six-point favorites against the, the San Francisco 49ers who just lose everybody every week. Mm-hmm. Like You just pick a new person and they lose them. Only six-point favorites for the Packers. I assume this is because they were just six-point favorites and lost. Uh, where do you sit at on this game does that line make sense to you? Is that where that should be? Because it looks a little off to me. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, when I made this line early in the week, I have Green Bay above San Francisco in my, my power rankings. Um, and in the ratings, I have them about a point better on a neutral field. So, add in home field advantage, I would have thought that this game would be like San Francisco by half a point. Now, again, that is with the teams pretty much fully healthy. So the question is, how much do you downgrade San Francisco for all the injuries that they've had and all the guys that are out? And I mean, at this point, you're looking at no Jimmy Garoppolo, no Kittle, on top of all the guys on defense that have been out for a while. Debo Samuel still hasn't played in, I think, the last two games or so. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you got you, you probably got four or five points worth of adjustments to make there when you also put into – you know, the defensive guys that are out and the guys that have been out there. So, like I said, on a neutral field, I would have this game as like San Francisco maybe favored by half a point. I would have thought around – I think the number I put it on was five. So, I don't think six is that far off. I, I really feel like – I feel like it's too many points, but I don't feel comfortable enough taking San Francisco to like go on that side of it. Yeah, this looks too easy for me. And I want to also fess up on my one last loss that we had. Now, this – I said we went six and three, meaning those teaser picks that Benny had, those Rams and everything, that was after it, um, after we had gotten off the show or towards the end of it. We circle our picks here. I'm an honest man. But anyways, I take fault here on a loss in the Carolina Panthers. That was another Thursday night game. Looked too easy. The Packers looked too easy here. And maybe I'm going into this with a mindset that they just lost to six-point favorites. <laughs> they need them to win again because I want to get on the right side of the Packers. They're a good team. I kind of believe that they can cover this number without an issue. I also felt that 50 and a half was a little low for this game, uh, but I don't really know what to expect from this 49ers offense. I mean, it could be so good that it's bad and so bad that it's good. Like, I have no idea what to think of Mullins or whoever they're going to trot out there at this point. McKinnon, Tevin Coleman's back. Are they going to run the ball? I'm not sure. I just think the Packers have a vengeance in them after that nasty loss. They were winning early in that game that I think they're going to beat the 49ers here, and it should be at least by a touchdown. You know, we didn't even really talk about the craziness on the Packers side of the football, too. I mean, one of their, you know, their backup running back, A.J. Dillon, tested positive for COVID, and the other running backs are now in quarantine. So they're going to be using some combination of, like, Tyler Irvin, who is – the best way I can explain him is, like, he's more of, like, a Ty Montgomery. Remember when they had Ty Montgomery and all the other running backs were hurt years ago? Like – I could see them doing something similar here and, and just going with like a, you know, shotgun formation with Rogers back there and just kind of let him pick things apart. But really, I think the guy who benefits here is Devontae Adams. Like this is, Oh yeah. This is going to be one of those 50% target share, 16, 17 target Devontae Adams games. I, I think. think he has five touchdowns in like the last like two, three games. He's going to, he's going to get another two at least I think this week. My thing is I'm, we talk about how the line gets affected by a quarterback a lot. Just knowing the uncertainty of the 49ers quarterback situation and just knowing the certainty of the Packers, like they're losing running backs. And like, to me, it doesn't matter all that much just because 
They have Devontae. I am surprised, by the way, that the Packers didn't try to add someone. I know they were going for Will Fuller at the trade deadline uh, today. So I think they definitely needed help. But you can see what Devontae and Aaron Rodgers do just by themselves. I think it would, it'll be enough to beat the 49ers, unfortunately, just because, I mean, the 49ers just look like they're heading in the wrong direction and they cannot fight this injury bug. I mean, it's injuries, though. It's not like, it's not like the guys aren't playing well. I mean, they're down to yeah. fifth running back, you know, wide receivers three and four starting, uh, backup quarterback, a backup tight end, a couple backup defenders. I think they're down to like their fourth and fifth uh, defensive ends. I mean, listen, you, they're talented. They're deep. The fact that they're still in and winning some of these games says a lot about them. But, you know, at some point, if you don't have enough talent, you can't win. And I don't know if they have enough talent with everybody that's hurt. I guess also with this game, it would be interesting to monitor that COVID situation. I know they said that the running backs were the closest to them and they kind of contained it, but you never know with some of these teams, you know, if there's an outbreak or whatnot, that game could get moved. We had, uh, we had a Thursday night game moved earlier this season already. Also, I'd like to note here that moving forward, all our lines, and this has been most of the time, but I never gave them credit. All our lines here are reflected from the betonline.ag website. Check them out. Your online sportsbook experts. Uh, betonline.ag so they are the six point favorites and we'll move to Sunday at 1 p.m and this week's just schedule is a little odd there's only two 4 p.m games so pretty much everything's being played at 1 p.m so we have four games here it's a little different than the format we're going for but let's focus on some of these good matchups here and a good marquee matchup here that I'm interested to hear your opinion on is the Seattle Seahawks on the road as two and a half point favorites at the Buffalo Bills uh, Buffalo is a dog at home, plus 100 on the money line, plus two and a half. I immediately am jumping at this for a teaser game. I already think I'm going to bring Packers down to a pick and bring Buffalo up to eight and a half. Uh, where do you look at this game? Do you see Buffalo as a home dog against Seattle right now? I, I do, actually. I have Seattle as a two-point favorite in this game on my power rankings with the numbers. Um, both of these defenses are kind of suspect, to be honest. Both of these offenses are pretty good. So I like the over in this game, too. I'm expecting – I don't think either one of these teams are going to be able to stop the other one, and I think we're going to see a lot of points here. So this should be a fun game. I'm going to love this game for DFS right now. But I had it at Seattle minus two. What do you got it sitting at right now, two and a half? That's kind of where I've been seeing it. On bet online, it was at two and a half, yeah, and plus 100 uh, for the money line. It is at 55 as well, the over-under. I really like that over as well. Seattle's over was a winner for us last week. That's with the 49ers losing people mid-game. And we had said Seattle scored 37. I think the over-under was at like 54, and it covered easy. They're just a team that's going to score 40 pretty much by themselves. And they know their identity. Jamal Adams is still out. They don't have anyone really in the secondary. They can't really stop anyone. Uh, Josh Allen has a gigantic arm. and I think Yeah, I mean, it's going to be – like I said, it's going to be an offensive explosion in this game. It's going to be fun. Earlier in the week, there were some Buffalo plus threes hanging out there. And I, I said, I, I didn't bet the game, but I said if I was going to bet it, I would take the Buffalo plus three because I didn't think that was going to last. And, and, you know, it came back a little bit more towards my number at minus two. You know, two and a half is where it is right now. Two and a half, I don't have any advantage here. If I was going to bet anything, um, I'd probably just take, like, Seattle – I don't really want to lay minus two, but minus two is not a big deal for me. Minus two and a half is not a big deal. So I'd go Seattle minus two and a half, but I don't really want to bet this one. So I think the deciding factor, and the Bills are a team I've rode with throughout the year. Uh, I wasn't on them last week just because I felt like that was going to be a close game, and they actually didn't cover that spread. I think that was at three and a half. 
uh, come game time in favor of the Patriots. It was a three-point game. Patriots could have won that game outright. Uh, Buffalo has looked really sluggish the last two weeks, and it's really because of the run defense. So that's where I think this game is going to be decided. Seattle, when we talk about running back carousels, they had four running backs uh, questionable going into the game. Carlos Hyde ended up like a day before the game decision, but you still had Carson and Travis Homer and then DJ Dallas exploded onto the scene. Uh, I don't know if that's still the situation moving forward, but that's an area that you should definitely attack on Buffalo. And I don't know if Russell can tear up this defense the way they think they can. I think they can. I absolutely think they can. Yeah. I mean, Russell Wilson is so underrated. This is to me, this is the closest thing to an unstoppable offense in the league. But um, I wanted to get back to your running back point here. From what I'm reading, it looks like Carlos Hyde's going to be out maybe even multiple weeks. Like, they made it sound like, you know, this isn't something that he's going to bounce back from right away. So the guy you really got to keep an eye on is Chris Carson and, and see what happens with him. I mean, again, we're filming this on, what, Tuesday night, I think this is right now. I don't even remember what day we're on right now. Election um, day, baby. Election. Yeah, that's it. Tuesday night. So there you go. Tuesday night. And uh, we don't have the, you know, we don't have the updated injury reports. And this is a legitimate guy that is – up in the air that I, you know, I would have to see him practice because he's been out for a while. So we got to see him get out there and practice before we can feel confident that he's going to play. I played a lot of DJ Dallas in, uh, in, on DraftKings last week at 4K. He's 5K this week. I got to be honest, I'd still roll him out there. If there's no mm-hmm. Chris Carson, DJ Dallas at 5K is going to make a lot of my lineups. I like just fading people. Like, I knew you were going to like Seattle, so I just had to come in here on the, on the Bill side. I'm starting to know you a little bit better. <laughs> I follow the numbers, man. I got, I, unless I have a strong case against it, I'm going to follow what my numbers tell me. You want to know something? I was mad at myself last week that I didn't see the Vikings thing happen because it would have been very me, as much as I like the Packers this season, to be like, it's a divisional game. We got <laughs> to bet the Vikings. Sometimes it's just that simple. I mean, think about it. How long would it have taken you to justify the Bengals beating the Titans last week? You know what? But they did it at the end of the day, and they won pretty convincingly too. So, you know, some of these matchups, this is going to be a close game. I think these lines have been spot on. I feel like this is going to be another one-possession game that could really be decided towards the end of the game. I wouldn't be surprised if a Josh Allen turnover probably ends up winning the game for Seattle. But I'm going to take the home dogs. I think the Bills are going to circle the wagons at home and come up with a big win. Um, against the Seahawks. So we're on the opposite side, but I will play the over because I do think that's the sharpest play. We'll, we'll put you that never, one down as a show win. You never go broke when you're playing home dogs over the long term. So that's yes, not a sir. Well, speaking of a team that should be a home dog, but isn't, uh, we're going to go with the favorite Atlanta Falcons that are favorites by three and a half. The team that screwed us uh, last week, or at least uh, me on behalf of the Carolina Panthers and handing them a loss. The Atlanta Falcons somehow won that game despite losing Calvin Ridley, Todd Gurley not doing much, and Matt Ryan not throwing a touchdown pass, but running one in. So it was very all over the place. They're going to come in and host the Denver Broncos, who had a miraculous comeback against a team similar to the Falcons that don't like to win football games in the Chargers. They're going to come here on the road, plus 165 on the money line, plus three and a half at the Falcons. I said the Falcons shouldn't be favored. I get why they're favored. My point being, if this is a three-and-a-half-point line leaning towards the Broncos, I'm taking it. I don't need to get too analytical with you. I'm on the Broncos here for the same reason I picked the Panthers last week. I just don't trust the Falcons. And if it's a field goal game, I'd just rather get in the points against whoever's playing the Falcons uh, than not having those points. I, I mean, I don't really argue against what you're saying. It's actually the side of the game that I would rather be on where the number is right now. So I have these two teams being very close to even. I think Atlanta might be slightly ahead 
Um, Denver has a legitimate defense. Atlanta has a legitimate offense. They both are lacking on the other side of the ball, though. So it's strength versus strength and, and weakness versus weakness, which will be interesting to see. My number is actually Atlanta, one and a half. But I actually give Atlanta a little bump on that because one other thing that I factor in is the extra rest that Atlanta's going to have because Atlanta played Thursday last week. So I actually have Atlanta at about two and a half would be the number. So the fact that it's on the other side of the three is probably where I would want to be. So, you know, Denver three and a half is nice. Earlier in the week, there were some four and four and a half. So I, I would have rather taken it at the four and a half. But uh, I still think that's the right side to be on. For the record, too, and I hate to admit this, but I was on the Panthers, but I took Atlanta three and a half a few places uh, last Thursday just because. I don't like to bet both sides, but I did think the three and a half, for the same reason I'm taking the three and a half in the Broncos game, I just want the three and a half regardless to side in the Falcons game. For whatever reason, their games are just weird. It's just weird. And either the underdogs are going to win outright or the Falcons are going to barely win. Last week, that didn't exactly happen. They ended up winning a little bit more than expected by but Teddy got hurt there was a lot of there was a lot of things that kind of factored into that so I'm leaning on the Broncos here just to note the over under is at 50 so a modest amount of points here for these two yeah the Falcon games are fun because their offense is good enough to score against anybody and their defense is bad enough to give up scores to anybody (laughs) so if it's one score at the end of a Falcons game they're the kind of team as we saw a couple weeks ago with the girly falling in the end zone thing they're the kind of team that can march down the field for the game-winning score and then leave enough time on the clock and be so bad on the other side that the other team can get down the field and, uh, and erase that game-winning score. So one way or another, whether they have the ball or whether they're up and trying to defend the lead, Atlanta's always going to give you some, uh, some fun and some heartburn right there if you bet on them. Matt Ryan was giving me some heartburn last week. You know, it's the tale as old as time that Matt Ryan tries to force the ball to Julio in double coverage in the, in the end zone. And it never works. And they never get any touchdowns to him. He does all the work leading him down the field. He has like 117 yards on seven receptions and no touchdown for my man. It, it, it hurts. It hurts to see, but that's just who the Falcons are. And I think they're okay with it, despite them only having two wins now, I think. The Falcons are a two-win team. So we move on. Another game that the line is sitting at where we were last week. Now, there's going to be three games in a row where it's very similar to last week. We had a lot of two-and-a-halves and three-and-a-halves. There's another two-and-a-half. And so the Ravens, coming off a sloppy home loss against the Pittsburgh Steelers, are on the road against the Indianapolis Colts, who ran over the Detroit Lions. The Colts are two-and-a-half-point dogs, uh, plus 115 on the money line. Instinctively, I want to jump on the Ravens just because anyone who's not actually a good team in my eyes, they tend to just blow past, and two and a half is a really low number. I think, you know, they're more than capable of winning this by a field goal. Um, What do you think of the Colts? I mean, they had, I think they were coming off the bye there as well, so I wasn't surprised that they won last week. We kind of didn't know what to expect in that game, but are you buying this? Does the two and a half make sense, or should the Ravens kind of be higher? So I have the Ravens at three and a half here. Um, I have the Ravens up towards the top of my power rankings. I don't have it in front of me right now. I think they're second or third. I have them about six and a half points better than a, than a league average team is my number there. I have the Indianapolis Colts better than a league average team by about a point. I want to say 1.4 or 1.3 was the number that I have there. Um, plus home field advantage because they are the home team here. So 
I my number came out to three seventy five basically. So, so minus three point seven five on the uh, on the Ravens. I'm seeing it on the other side of the three right now, like the two and a half. Is that what you got over at uh? So this is on Bet Online. Yep. Yeah, Bet Online has a two and a half. So at two and a half, the Ravens is the side I'd rather be on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I like it at three too. So the over under is at forty five and a half. I just feel like, you know, kind of regardless this line, even if they're tiptoeing even higher towards game time, I don't really buy the Colts enough right now to just think that the Ravens aren't going, aren't going to bounce back here and just kind of handle their business. Lamar Jackson, I don't know what was going on against the Steelers. And then the fact that they still had a chance to win the game and then he fumbled in the fashion he did, he kind of is starting to do a little too much. I think the key to his MVP season was that he was letting it come to him and it was effortless. Now it just seems forced. He's just doing way too much, and he needs to slow it down because it's affecting the people around him. I think, you know, so Ravens owners everywhere lately has have been disappointed about the production that you've been getting out of Ravens players, including Lamar Jackson. I don't think you've exactly gotten what you signed up for. Although I think the Ravens are a good enough team to handle the Colts, I will say the Colts' defense versus Ravens' offense is going to be something to watch for me because the Ravens' offense has played not so good over the past couple games. Yeah, I mean, I think that that – I agree with you there. I think that that's actually an interesting matchup. But the reason I lean the Ravens a lot here is that the Ravens' defense to me is much better than the Indianapolis Colts' offense. And I think that's a big advantage on that side of the football for them. Um, I think that, yeah, their offense may get slowed down a little bit by a very good Indianapolis Colts' defense. But I also think that, uh, you know, on the other side of the football, I think the Ravens' defense can really cause problems for the Colts. Like the Colts' offense to me – what do they do? Like, you have bad wide receivers. Jonathan Taylor was not the guy you thought he was. The offensive line is not as good as it was last year. It's not bad, but it's not as good as it was last year. I just Teams that just rely on their tight ends for all their big plays, like Trey Burton, Wildcat yeah. plays, I'm not putting money on that. I'm not. <laughs> I can't. Breach. I listen. I agree. I agree. The fact that I went to go look at tight ends to pick up because George Kittle got hurt, and I saw Trey Burton had a rushing touchdown last week, and I did like I didn't see it. Second one in like three weeks. Like they're they're running wildcat with him down near the goal line, which I didn't pick him up. I would have though. I don't mind that. Like again, as a fantasy asset, I'll pick him up. But if do if you need to run Trey Burton wildcats down near the end zone, like to me, that tells me everything I need to know about the fact that you don't. You don't have enough faith in your rookie running back who's supposed to be a battering ram. Wasn't that the whole point of getting Jonathan Taylor? Yeah. Um, so you don't have enough faith in him to give him the ball down near the goal line. And T.Y. Hilton is a shell of the best version of T.Y. Hilton we saw years ago. Yeah. And then the guys behind them, I mean, maybe Pittman coming off of like injury last week might change things, but Zach Pascal has been the best receiver on this team. Yeah. He's Zach Pascal. Like that's when you have the shell of Philip Rivers at quarterback, where it's like, you know, is anything going to get going? I mean, Naheem Hines is a bit of a spark plug. I will say he, you know, he showed some signs of life, and I think it's because of that, like, full flip he did in the end zone in complete pads. That I was like, where did this come from? (laughs) It's one of the most athletic things I saw on the weekend. Him hitting that flip in full pads. I'm like, dude, like, not agree. But here's, I mean, here's the argument that I'm going to make. Are you going to beat a good Baltimore Ravens team that has, even with their offense not playing great, like the offense is still putting up points. They're still moving the ball. It's not like they're stopped. They're just not as dominant as they were last year. Oh, you can beat a team that's got a good offense like that and a good defense on the other side 
when you're relying on a third down scat back and a pair of tight ends, come on. Yeah, so the thing with the Ravens' defense, that was the point I was going to jump on before, is that the reason they were able to turn the ball over as much as they did against the Steelers and still stay in it was because of their defense. Their mm-hmm. defense was causing problems for Big Ben. So, yeah, 1,000%. I mean, my, like, initial hunch, like, lean, whatever you want to call it, was just all over the Ravens. Again, this one seems a little too easy, but for me it was as simple as the Colts aren't that good of a team. The Ravens can beat anyone who isn't that upper echelon. I mean – not even beat them, they're going to kick the doors in on them. So I really wouldn't even be surprised if this is like a double-digit victory and the Ravens are all of a sudden back because, again, they've, they've had comps against the Steelers and the Chiefs. So we'll leave that at that. And let's move forward to a team that always comes onto this list because I think it's one of my favorites. I think it's one of your favorites. And after last week, you told me I know when to be on them. I know when to be off them. Last week we were on them. They covered the four. They covered the five. Wherever you got them, they covered it. The Chicago Bears hit the road, getting points again against the lonesome and hurt Tennessee Titans. And when I say lonesome and hurt, I'm talking about myself who picked them in a survivor pool with two people left and lost, and it was decided. Yeah, that that, – I mean – not a lot of people saw that coming, so my condolences. We had three people left. It's actually a Believe uh, Survivor pool. Uh, shout out to the Believe Podcast Network. Three people left. Someone picked the Packers. Someone picked the Titans and me, and someone still had the Chiefs left against the Jets. So obviously the Chiefs won, and then the Packers and the Titans wiped us out. Crazy. Yeah, you know what? That's that's the way those things are decided sometimes. Yeah, man. So. Well, um- so, yo, what's the number we're looking at here? So, what's five and a half. Five and a half. I like it. Let's forget about the survivor pool loss. Five and a half. The, pa- the Bears were a winner last week, so that was a game against the New Orleans Saints. It was decided by three points. Bears are, are going to go into Tennessee, who just lost a six-point favorite as five and a half-point dog. So, half a point off of what it was last week, plus 205 on the money line. What are you thinking? What do you think? So I have, I have the Chicago Bears as the closest team I have to a league average team. So if you want to think to yourself, what is an average NFL team? The Chicago Bears. That's an average NFL team. Now, the way they get there is not average because their defense is above average. Their offense is below average. For sure. But it, it works out that they're the closest thing to an average NFL team when you uh, – when you That's putting them. it lightly. Their offense, woof. Yes. Buddy. But, but they, <laughs> they do have some guys that can make a play. And that's what happens is if your defense is good enough that they can keep you into games, you just need – a guy that can go make a play every once in a while, and the Bears seem to have that. So it's pretty interesting. I mean, I have, I have the Titans right now, even after that debacle last week, as a field goal better than league average. You add in the home field advantage for them at four and a half. Like I said, the Bears are basically right on league average to me when you factor their offense and defense together. Mm-hmm. So I had this number at four and a half. So at five and a half, nice. it's a little rich, but I don't think it's crazy, and it's not a key number where – it's going to push me one side to the other. So I'm pretty much on market here. I guess a slight lean to the Chicago side, but not enough where I would bet it unless, uh, unless that number gets up even more. So here's where I'm at. I'll tell you what my uh, play is on this game in a second, but I am going to put the Bears in a uh, teaser as well. I got three teams in this now. I got the Bills. I'm going to take the Bears, cross the seven, and the 10. We're at 11 and a half, Benny. I like that. Uh, the Packers are in that as well, just because I want to get something going early. I'm going to take the under in this game. It's at 46 and a half. I don't even care if they move it lower. I'm going to take the under. I don't, 
I don't trust the Titans' defense at all. Uh, they're not a credible defense. But I will say this. Every game like this, the Bears-Titans, I just feel like it's going to be a sloppy poop game. Tannehill is going to, like, regress to the mean. It's going to be really gross. They're both going to run the ball. The Bears' D is good enough to contain Henry long enough to run the clock. It's going to be, like, 17-14. It's just – it's not going to look good. It's not going to look good at all. I mean, the Saints game, it was either 24-21 or 27-24. But I, it's just, like, they, they have these field goal games that are just, like, muscled out. And they went to overtime. They went to overtime last week. So that's how that thing got pushed as far as it did. It's just gross. I just think the Bears play gross games. And 46 and a half isn't a number that'll scare me away either side. I just like the under Mike Vrabel's defenses are going to muscle up eventually. And maybe they do. Maybe they muscle up this week. They haven't lately. That Titans defense might be bad enough that the Bears offense could get going. But I'm counting on the Bears offense not getting going and the Bears defense doing enough to keep this under at bay. Yeah, I mean, that's like I said, if I was going to take a side, I'd probably be on the Bears five and a half. And normally you like getting the points when you're also on the under. Um, you know, so that would be the side I'd be on. But like I said, I'm, uh, I'm pretty much on market. I'm staying away from this one. I didn't bet it. But I do like the teaser aspect. I like that teaser thing. That's a good way to do it. Just make sure that uh, at the end of this, you tell me the games that you will play. I'm just putting these on here so we can get them all. So we get the people what they want. They want to know about the Bears. The, the, the Bears – are just charming. They're a charming team to bet. Every week you just see them getting the points and you're just like, so, sometimes you just want to sprinkle a little bit. Sprinkle a little bit on those Bears getting them points. See, it, you know what, Steve? And, I, and you and I have been talking about this all season because I've been on the Bears all season long here. Sometimes you just get on teams that you think you're just higher on than the field. And that's the way I feel with the Bears every week. It's like I feel – and you can even see it again in my numbers. Like I'm, I'm a point below – you know, I'm, I have a – I have the, Basically, the market is giving me an extra point that I think I should be getting on the Bears because I'm just consistently higher on the Bears. It's worked out very well this year. But also, to kind of explain gambling to some of you people, I have had some last-minute random Bears touchdowns that have gotten me covers on some of these games and, oh, yeah. and, and given me, like, money line wins on some of these games. So that just goes to show you how close gambling is. Like, you can literally pick out probably four or five plays this year that would change all the profits I've made on the Bears this year to losses, even if the other 95%, 98% of those games go exactly the same way as they did. So, you know, it, it, it's one of those teams where I just happen to be on the right side, and this year the variance is working out well for me. Like the Miami Dolphins were that team last year. Yeah. Everybody thought they sucked, and I agree, they sucked. But when, when um, Fitzpatrick came in, I was like, listen, they're not good, but they're not – as bad as they were when, when Rosen was there and people thought that. So, you know, if you were on the right side of Fitzpatrick, I think he wound up going like five and two against the spread over the next two months of the season after he took over. That's, that's pretty good numbers, you know? I agree. But to your point, absolutely. I mean, the Bears are just a team that every time they get the points, you got to sit there and think. And so last week what happened was I had – this is gambling for you too. I had the Ravens. I, on the show, I said three and a half on the Steelers is the play. The Ravens' money line is just my feeling. The Ravens were 15 yards away from both sides of that winning. I counted it as a loss, too. It yep. was about to be the Ravens win by three points. The three and a half would have been good on the money line. But that's, I also think this is a week that the lines have been spot on like that. 
they really have been spot on like that, where you could kind of see the game and you see how it matches up. And that's why I think this has been so helpful whenever you could really get a point or so, whether you're higher on a team or not, it's always nice to kind of get that realization where it's like, oh shit, like I feel like this game should be this way. That's why I'm starting to, I'm starting to bet the spread way more than I used to. I used to just fool around on the money line, make parlays. Now, sometimes when you get a really good number, it's nice to just lock in on that and just take advantage of it because Again, and we talk about this every week for anyone who's new to it. Come Sunday, come Thursday, these lines are going to move. And if you even listen to this podcast late, you're going to be like, I'm not getting that number. That's exactly why. That's exactly why. So let's get to the 4 p.m. games here. And this is pretty much a straight-up pick em, But we have the Las Vegas Raiders, who was my underdog of the week last week. And I told you, Benny, whenever those Browns are favorited, you stop yourself and you say, nah. And you bet the other side. <laughs> I did, and they, they sucked big, fat, rhinoceros cock. They were yeah, they were terrible. I, <laughs> I knew it was coming. Everyone thought of it. They were like, well, but the Bucks, but the Bucks. Now, fuck that. The Raiders beating the Browns, and they did. So the Raiders are going to be a pick em. Um, It shows that the Chargers are technically the favorites in this game, although it's a pick em. I assume it's because of the home team. The Chargers, again, were handling the Broncos for most of the game, and then in true Chargers fashion, just completely blew it. And uh, as little words as possible, I think they lost by one point at the buzzer or two points. Uh, pretty terrible, just as bad as a, uh, as a Giants loss. So there's not too much value to jump at here. The over-under is at 53, just as there's only two 4 p.m. games, this being one of them. Do you kind of sit on one side of this game or does anything stick out to you in this matchup? Yeah, so Sunday night when I looked at these numbers, um, I have Las Vegas as about a minus one, like about a point below league average. I have the Chargers about two and a half points below league average, um, you know, roughly rounded, rounded up here. And then when you add the home field advantage in for the Chargers at about one and a half, I got to pick them with the number that I had here. So earlier in the week, it was the Chargers were favored by one and a half. Um, the money line that I was able to get on Las Vegas was plus 103 early in the week. So that's the number that I actually took. It's basically, like you said, it's basically a pick in this game. You're seeing both of these numbers like around 110 on a, on a lot of sites. What, what do you have it at? What, are the, what is the money line that you're looking at there for both of these things? So the Raiders is minus 105. I didn't even write down the Chargers because that would be my play. I think it was probably minus 115, I assume. Yeah. Uh, but minus 105 on the Raiders. They're the team I lean on here, but, you know, kind of feeling the Raiders the, the way I have and knowing that they weren't going to do so great against the Bucs and then they did well against the Browns. This is a game – now, again, the Chargers love to lose games. I mean, love it. Yeah. But I just feel like this is a game they might just actually win. I'm a big fan of Justin Herbert. I think this Raiders defense is good enough. Typically, I don't touch a Chargers game, nor do I want to be credited – to actually having to give a pick for this game, but it's just the way the show works. And you know what? I'll, I'll bet the chargers. I will bet the chargers. I'm not going to feel good about it. And uh, Justin Herbert's probably going to have to total probably four touchdowns in order for that to happen. But I think he's capable of doing it. And I think he's a, a pleasant surprise so far, whether they can win games or oh, not. I love, dude, I love that kid. I like betting on quarterbacks here. And I definitely like Justin Herbert a lot more than I like Derek Carr. Yeah. I, I'd be on board with that. I like that, but. I bet Vegas early in the week at plus 103. And for a lot of this, I, I don't disagree with any of the analysis that Steve's saying. And this is, this is how gambling works for people out there. I think this game, I have this game as a pick-em in my, in my numbers, and I think this game is basically a coin flip. If 
one of these teams wins or the other team wins, if you play this game 100 times, I think it's going to end up probably about 50-50. So the reason I bet the Raiders is I was getting plus money on it. If I think something's a coin flip and I'm getting plus 103, you know what? If if we flip a coin and every time I lose, I give you a dollar, and every time you win, I get a dollar three, over the long term, I'm going to have more money than you. And that's that's kind of the way I look at this game. So gambling-wise, I think Vegas was the side at plus 102. For sure. If I have to lay money, I don't want either side of this game. Yeah, this is a game you don't want to touch. Again, really weird schedule. And for those of you who watch games primarily on red zone, it's just going to be it's going to be Raiders, Chargers. And if you don't think that one's worse enough, Benny, lock in for this one. We have the biggest line of the day here. The Steelers are 13-and-a-half-point favorites against the dreadful Dallas Cowgirls. Dallas plus 615 on the money line. They have no idea who they're going to send out there at quarterback to get killed first before the Steelers defense runs through this putrid Dallas offensive line over under that 41 and a half. Before I get too aggressive and trash talk the Cowboys the way I'd like to, I just want to say, I don't think this line is too aggressive. I took the chiefs against the jets at 13 and a half last week, as you advised me in a teaser. Uh, If this was 20 and a half, I'd be like, wow, that's a lot of points. I know the Cowboys are terrible, but you know the defense showed life, but I'm not going to justify any of that right now. Steelers should win this game by two touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that – I don't think the outcome of this game is really something anybody's going to doubt or question. It's just a matter of whether or not they win by big enough. See, here's my thing. When I, when I take a big point spread like this, I'm always worried about the backdoor cover, right? Like, that's, what, that's my biggest fear because I do think that it's going to be a pretty lopsided score. So when you think about the backdoor cover – if you're talking about like the Atlanta Falcons being favored by 12 points against somebody, I'm worried about the backdoor cover because you could score easily on that defense. Mm-hmm. I'm not as worried about it with the Steelers because that's not a defense you're going to score easily on. It's also not a very good offense with a third string quarterback and a banged up offensive line that you could think they would have a chance to score easily, even against like, you know, soft zone coverage and at the end of a two touchdown plus kind of game. So if I'm going to bet it, I'm going to bet on the Steelers side of this game. I like the, uh, the teaser here, though. This is a good one that you can kind of tease down just to get a lower number. What number do you have there? You have 13 and a half? No, 13 and a half. Yeah, minus eight. Yeah, and that's why they put it there because the teaser is seven and a half. I got it at 12 and a half earlier in the week, and I teased it down to six and a half. Yeah, that was so Six and a half is the number that I really wanted. I wanted to get below that seven right there. At 13 and a half, I wouldn't use it in the teaser because you're on the other side of the seven. Although I don't think it's crazy to think that – the Steelers could cover that seven very easily anyway, you know, seven or seven and a half very easily anyway. Yeah. Depending on what you use for your teaser. Here's the other thing. Uh, the Eagles had a hefty spread towards game time too. I think it opened at like seven, seven and a half and it was just climbing, climbing, climbing. I think it got to nine and a half, ten and a half. That's still covered. Granted, it took a, a call from the big guy upstairs in order for that whole thing to happen because the Eagles clearly recovered a fumble. You want to talk about backdoor covers. <laughs> There was one last week, he was down, and they ripped the ball out, and the Eagles ran it back for a defensive touchdown. If that didn't happen, they didn't cover. But if the Eagles could cover against this Cowboys team, there's no question the Steelers could cover in my eyes. So, yeah, I like this to tease. Uh, the 7.5 doesn't scare me all that much because then it just makes me root for 10. They should win by 10 points. Uh, it just seems like a practical way for the Steelers to win this game. But with that said, let's move on. And there is a better game and a better matchup to look forward to on Sunday night, this is the NFC South matchup of probably the year, I guess, is what everyone's been waiting for. It is the Saints against the Bucks, part two. 
five and a half point dogs are the Saints heading into Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, whoo, should they have lost last night against uh, this New York football Giants team? But I already talked about it earlier in this show. I don't got to go down depression lane again. Uh, the Bucks squeezed it out hardly, and the Saints don't look very good. Uh, I don't know which side I like a little bit better in this game. The Saints beat the Bucks, I believe, in week one. Five and a half, uh, 51 and a half is the over-under. I probably like the over in this game because I don't know what side to bet here. Uh, what are these numbers telling you? Does the five and a half make sense for the Saints? Wait, what, what's the number you have on this? Five and a half. Why do I not have this game down here? Um, I don't have this game on my cheat sheet right here. So hold on a second. Let me oh, we got him, boys. We got him. There must have, oh, you know why? Because Tampa Bay played – didn't Tampa Bay play Monday? Yeah, they played last night. That's why I didn't have this down because they, they didn't have a spread up for this. Um, oh, yeah, that's a Sunday night. night. All right, so hold on a second here. Give me, give me a second. Let me call up my uh, – So whenever your lines are an update on certain things, you just head over to betonline.ag to check all the updated lines. They're going to get you guys covered as soon as possible whenever the lines are ready. Uh, even Benny needs to start using BetOnline before he comes on this show to get himself prepared. And he will, and he's going to, just like I'm starting to do it. Like I said, you know what? I did, I did a lot of this work last night while I, was, uh, while I was watching the game, and they didn't have a lineup for that game because they were playing, and sometimes they wait until it comes up. So just give me a second here. So I got to run some numbers that I didn't run yesterday. If you would All right, like- so here we go. Oh, I have hey. Tampa Bay. I got it right here. I got um, Tampa Bay. I have a 6.2 points. New Orleans, I have at 4.4, so that's 1.8. Where is the game? New Orleans or Tampa? Tampa. So three and a half, so 1.5, 3.3. So now this assumes I have Tampa Bay should be like three, three and a half. But this also assumes that a bunch of guys are playing that I'm not sure if they're playing yet because I didn't, I didn't run the – I know who is playing. All right, so let Antonio me know. Antonio Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that that is not going to move my number at all. That Antonio Brown. I just you set me up for it. It was yeah. too good. I couldn't. I meant like you know, is Michael Thomas show is gonna Tampa, Tampa, go, Tampa you know, is Michael Thomas going to be good to go this week? Yes. What's up with Chris Godwin? Like and stuff like that is stuff I need to know before before I finalize my number here. Fair enough. Well, the line seems wishy washy to me. I think these teams, the Saints D hasn't scared me all that much. The Bucks D as great as they. I thought they were are definitely vulnerable. 51 and a half isn't enough points for me. Uh, I'll just take the over here, but I will say this. I'm going to bet the Bucks because I think AB has a big game, unfortunately, for the AB haters out there. And Drew Brees on the road, <coughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it too much, especially because they already beat the Bucks earlier this season. So what, what's the number? Is it five and a half? Five and a half, sir. If, if Michael Thomas plays, I would probably be on the same side of this game. Ooh. I just don't. I just think it's too many points. Like I, I don't it think that points. Win. I just think it's too many points. Well, if Michael Thomas doesn't play, then I would be on the probably be on the. Actually, to be honest, this line is telling me that Michael Thomas is not playing because I would probably have Michael Thomas be worth about two points to the spread. So mm-hmm. the number that I'm looking at here is kind of sans Michael Thomas. Yeah. So the again, this is a game that. It's really tough to pick. This is a divisional game. It's going to be Sunday night. The Bucks will have technically shorter rest because they just played on Monday. I'm just not too sure. I just think the Bucks will probably Ooh, I didn't end up winning it. 
Yeah. That's a that's a whole point right there too. That's a whole other point. That would be like two and a half to my number right there. Four. So my number without Michael Thomas would be um, four and a half. With Michael Thomas, it would be two and a half. So if Michael Thomas is playing and you can still get five, five and a half, I'd definitely be on the same side. Interesting. Maybe another game to tease too. You could get that up to eleven and a half. Something to definitely watch. Uh, I think Godwin has to be decided on. Uh, he'll be a game time decision too, and then. Other than that, I'm not too sure if the Bucks have anyone major missing out. But again, AB will be back, so that's something for them to look forward to. Uh, if you're a Bucks fan, if not, I don't know. I actually am starting AB in a few fantasy leagues just because I think he's going to score a touchdown. That'll be a prop. That'd be a good prop. Just I, to, to be honest, Tom Brady's the kind of guy that'll make sure he gets one. Exactly. He did that the last time that he was on the Patriots. He's been doing that with Gronk. He's just trying to break all the records with Gronk now, and now. I think Marvin Harrison and Peyton are the furthest to them, so they'll probably cool the Jets a little bit. But I think they wanted to – you know Tom Brady. He's like that. He does things like that. If there's a record, all those guys will do it. You, if, like, Drew Brees enters a game needing three touchdowns to break a record, he's doing he's breaking that, and he's probably doing it at half. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, Sean Payton will just keep calling pass plays until he does to get it out of the way. So Yeah, yeah absolutely. The elephant in the room. Speaking of the elephant in the room, this this line bothered me when I watched it, when I looked at it at first initially, but I had to update myself on where the states of the teams are at and realize what what was going on, and still I'm having issues with it. But the New England Patriots will play host, or actually the New York Jets will play host to the New England Patriots. The Jets are seven-point underdogs at home. Now I get it. I get it. You know, the Patriots don't look great, and there were a lot of, a lot of question marks, and Cam looks off. They only lost by three points to the Bills. Could have won. Cam fumbled the ball. I think despite them laying an egg two weeks ago, this is still a Bill Belichick-led team. I don't see how the Jets, who can't score a touchdown, don't lose by more than 10 points. They haven't scored 10 points in four consecutive games. I just don't see them scoring it yet against the Patriots. I think the Patriots could score. and It could be 21-19. to 19, That covers seven. I just I don't see how the Jets – managed to cover this seven points here yeah i mean seven is you know again i use i use numbers i use the analytics seven is the it. exact it's number it's the exact number that i got is seven is the number i think it should be there um i have also been the guy who's been telling people to bet against the jets every week of the season and <laughs> i'm not gonna stop now i mean I, I was willing to lay 19 last week with kansas city so laying seven with the patriots is not that big a number i agree with you the jets offense sucks the defense is still below league average, even though it's the most competent part of the team. The coaching doesn't give you any advantage. You know, I mean, if Jameson Crowder is not playing, there's... By the way, bye-bye Avery Williamson. Uh, yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, they didn't get better. You didn't get better by making that move. Like, none of the moves the Jets have made have made them better. So, I, listen, I don't think the Patriots are good right now. I, I don't think anybody would argue that. The Patriots aren't very good right now, but... They're better than the Jets. Like, if this was at, like, 10, 10 and a half, I'm going to be scared away. Like, that Bills number, like, that was a game where, like, we got to tease us. Like, I also didn't trust that number. It was a lot of points. Even last week, that 20 wasn't looking great for a while there. I mean, but what you don't account for is that the Jets give up at halftime. And I think th that everyone's on to that. 
I think everyone's on to it. And if they're not, yeah, yeah. I don't think they give up. I don't think it's that they give up. I think oh, it's you that just, they out, the team makes adjustments. <laughs> they out, yeah, they outperform in the first half. Like they'll go out there in the first half and they won't suck as bad as you thought. And you were like, ah, oh, you know what? Maybe this is going to be a game. And then very quickly, it's just like, oh yeah, that's right. This is the Jets. Like no, Betty, this crazy. week they had seven possessions in the second half. I said this stat every week. It gets worse. I did the. Four total yards last week. I had to break it to the people that seven possessions, six three and outs, and one four and out. It was a three down conversion for a first and then a fumble. <laughs> they didn't even get a first down. They had seven possessions. They got one first down, but it didn't oh, technically. Wow. Yeah, he fumbled it immediately after. So it didn't. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, I know. It's earned it. Earned it fumbled. Good, good job. Yeah. But they scored a field goal in each of the first three possessions of the game. So Adam Gase's script is resulting into points, baby. Yeah. I'm talking about. Like I said, Adam Gates, let's go. <laughs> the solution. A part of the solution. One more thing I want to know before we uh, get off this train of uh, what picks we're on. Uh, the New York Giants are three-point underdogs against the Washington Redskins on Washington football team. Blaine disrespect. I said this the last time Benny was on this show. Give me the three. Give me the money line. I'm going to war. Danny's 3-0 and against the Skins. Against the football team. I'm never not going to say it. We're going into enemy territory, and they're taking care of that. I'll take the three. I see that jumping down. The Giants don't know how to be in any game that isn't a one-possession game. I actually told you this last week. I don't know if you listened to me. I don't know if you touched that Monday night game. But I told you, it's a lot of points. It was disrespectful. And you're like, the Giants are below league average. And I told you, it doesn't matter. You're you're not accounting for the giantness. It's like the Jets. The Jets have jetness. The giantness is that they don't know how to lose by anything less than a handful. Like it has to it has to be as as gut wrenching as possible. So give me the three. Give me the money line. The Giants are gonna win. Yeah, I I do not want to touch this game at all. But my numbers are so screaming in the Washington Redskins' favor right now. This last time, (laughs) yeah, uh, the Giants. I mean, I have the Giants as. Um, about two points worse than the Redskins on a neutral field. So even if I even if I adjust that a little bit for a good game on Monday night, which I probably wouldn't anyway, but even if I adjusted it for a good game on Monday night, they would still lose a point for me for being on the short week, having played on Monday night. So I'm looking at this game right now. I have this, and Washington's home as well, so you add about a point and a half to that number. Like, Four, four and a half is probably around where I would end up on the Redskins here. So I think the number right now is sitting at three, right? Yeah, it's at three. Yeah, Redskins, Redskins, and I only have to give up three is is the side. I mean, like I said, my number is four and a half. This game was decided by one single point last time they played. The Giants have played, their last three losses have been by three points, two points, one point. Give me the three. They don't know any other way. They don't know any other way. They love two-point conversions to decide the game. I would rather – part of me just wishes we played the Chiefs and lost by 50. I wish the spread was at 20. I wish I knew they weren't going to get disrespected, but they do every week. It happens. Benny, let's go through these picks real quick. I'll just let you know where I'm at. We're at the Packers. I got them minus six. I'm going to take the over in the Buffalo-Seattle game just because I think they score a shit ton of points, but I like the Bills here, so you can give me them both. Denver three and a half. Ravens. Uh, I'll take the money line. I don't like the two and a half. I mean, I just don't like betting those numbers. But I'll take the two and a half. Yeah, I'll take the two and a half for the sake of the game. Uh, give me the Bears five and a half. 
Uh, I'm going to take them in a teaser, but I'll just say I'm taking the Bears. I really like the under in that game, though. That'll be my actual pick. Chargers, Steelers to cover the 13 and a half. I'm leaning towards the Bucks, but I like that over more than anything, the 51 and a half. And the Patriots are going to win by a billion points. I only have on the teaser right now also Packers down to six or down to, from the six to the pick them. I got the Bills up to eight and a half, and then I'm bringing the Bears up to 11 and a half. I don't see anything else necessarily jumping at me. I might go Steelers down just to have something in there. We kind of briefly talked about that. But I guess I could incorporate the Pats, too, if I really wanted to, because that's just a number that, you know, to play it safe, I could bring that down from seven to one. Anything I miss? No, I actually like that a lot. The Patriots and the, and the Packers was the one that I did. Um, Packers down to pick them, Patriots down to one. That was the only, uh, the only nice. teaser I've played so far this week. I, have, um, I don't have money on them yet, but I am going to put money on Baltimore now that that's down below three. So I like the Ravens minus two and a half. I would put money on that. I put money down on Las Vegas earlier in the week. Again, it's a coin flip, and I got plus money on it at plus 103. Um, the market's already moved a little bit in my favor. I think Steve said minus 105. So got a couple cents of uh, closing line value there. It, it, it's not a big bet. It's a coin flip bet. So, you know, I just felt like, like I said, if I make that same bet a hundred times, I'm probably going to wind up on the right side of it. I would and, not put this bet in a parlay, Benny. I would not put this bet no. in a parlay. This is the type of bet you got to bet it straight up for your even money if you want to touch it or if you got a hint on the uh, over under or something or a prop or something. But bet this separately. Do not have this, you know, this coin flip beside your parlay. Put something that's definitely for and, sure. And like I said, I wouldn't take it anymore. At minus 105, it's no longer a coin flip. It's. Well, it's still a coin flip, but you're not getting paid to take the coin flip. At, exactly. At so I wouldn't touch that anymore at this point. And, um, yeah, that's, I think that's every game that I bet on this week. I didn't touch I, If you want to take the Patriots straight up, too, again, I'm never going to tell anybody not to take whatever team is playing against the Jets straight up. I think that's fine. A part of me was, like, having flashbacks. I'm like, oh, I remember, like, when the Jets were doubted. They're like, I'm not, they, they can't beat the Patriots. There's no way. Like, back when the Jets were still, like, okay, and then they would actually win some. They had some really crazy upsets against the Patriots at home. Oh, like I see half a smile on your face. You're like, yeah, the Jets won games. They competed yeah. in the division. I mean, I, I, it's a good feeling. I hope I get it again. <laughs> I don't remember when. At this point, when you're 0-7, though, like, do you even really want to win? Like, I don't it's want like to. you're in a cave just counting. You're just doing the chalk lines on the wall, just haven't seen sunlight. Food and water as well. I mean, I was thinking more like a prison than a cave, but yeah, pretty much the same analogy. Well, I just imagine you just like with a caveman beard, like not seeing sun. That's what being a Jet fan's like. You just – you forgot – you don't want to look at football. Like when Jets football comes on TV, you just get blinded by the light. I Like it sucks too because like I'm a – dude, I, I'm a football analyst. Like I, I, I do this for a living. And because I'm a Jets fan, I force myself to sit down for three hours every weekend and watch a Jets game when they're and when I know like I have the package I can go watch any of the other 10 games on I usually I usually I have two TVs usually one's on the Jets and the other one's on red zone and I pretty much just have my eyes on the red zone like 95% of the time but it's just I, I, I can't get away from it man if your eyes are on the red zone it'll never feature the Jets offense because again they they have not scored over 10 points that's such a lot of <laughs> They score. They show scoring plays all the time, and there's at least one pick six every game. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's the red alert. It's the red alert. It's the immediate touchdown. Oh shit! Well, that's all I got for you. Those are all the games we have, Benny. It's always a pleasure to have you on here. We're gonna make the people some money again. I already told them at home. 
listen to what we say. If not, fade us. But then they're dummies. If you fade us, you're a dummy, and you're gonna have a losing record. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we still get to do this show next week. Hopefully the world is still here, and uh, you know, no matter what happened, if you hated somebody this week, you're probably still gonna hate them next week. And if you love somebody this week, you're probably still gonna love them next week. So go out and hug somebody today. It's gonna be a tough day to do that, but you, if you can manage to hug someone on election day, you're winning. You're doing something right. Be peaceful. It's a peaceful protest. Yeah, just remember, if you do it outside and you don't have a mask on, you're probably going to wind up starting a fight. So you might not have the... Yeah, don't just hug anyone. Do it with social distancing protocols. I, I forgot. I forgot the era we live in. Oh, shit. I just sent people to spread the pandemic. There you go. You, just, you literally just started the riots. Right? I'm a part of the problem. I know I'm a part of the problem. I'm definitely not a solution. Unlike Adam Gase. Okay, Benny, thank you for coming on, man. Hopefully we can do this next week. You know that anytime. That interview with Benny Ricciardi was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, big shout out to Benny for coming on yet again. Always quality stuff when he's on here. Listen to what he has to say. Winning week every single week. The teaser, that was our first loss. But listen to our teaser picks as well. Before that, we were undefeated at 4-0. Again, shout out to Benny. Shout out to you guys for tuning in as always. Thank you guys. Please follow on Twitter at NYFootballPod as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez. Be sure to like, download, rate, and subscribe wherever podcast platforms are available. Believe in NY football. Thank you guys for coming out. Happy Election Day or day after Election Day. Hopefully we didn't go too crazy and the world isn't burned down yet. Be safe. Peace and love. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube